Okay, Be'ezra Sashem, we're going to be picking up this week again with the series of entering into the Sea of Wisdom with a couple of weeks that we've been unable to continue giving the classes, not because there was no Torah sent out, but just timing didn't work out. But again, just incredible, incredible weeks of shirim, recommendation to anybody, you know, to, to look back on the shirim on Chaim Haran, the shirim on Taras Chacham, the Ma'amarim of the Chachma, the Nafshacha, everything, the Nishmas and Chadasin, meaning each week is a, is a Gilui, and there's different Torahs that come out each week from Tzaddik that can literally transform the way a person lives their life in this world. What we're going to be looking about, learning about today, or we're, we're going to try and understand, is a Shir, the Thursday night Shir, Erev Shabbos Parshas Ve'eschanan of this year where the Rebbe was teaching on Chaim Maharan Oslamid Zion. So this is the English shir, or not the English, rather, the Lashon HaKodesh shir that the Rebbe gives. But it's usually, it's on, it's on Thursday night, and there's just a Dvarim Nifla'im kind of taking place within them. So what the Rebbe is really talking about, based on Rabbi Nachman's teaching, is that there's a certain power to the krechs of a Jew, to the sigh of a Jewish individual not simply as an expression of pent-up pressure that allows for catharsis or release of intensity from within the self that finds expression in the sigh, not only viewing the sigh as a form of tefillah, as a sign of yearning for that which is beyond and above language's capacity to describe what we're searching for, all of that is contained within the sigh as well, or in that primal scream that Rabbeinu talks about so often, but over here in Islam and Zayn and Chaim Aran, Rabbi Nachman is giving more of a, a meditative kind of way of looking at the experience of a sigh. That when a person sighs, they're elongating their breath inwards and they're also elongating their breath outwards. And the elongation of breath or allowing oneself to remain without the breath that they feel they need for even a second longer and they typically allow themselves as an act of Messiris Nefesh. It's almost as if one is ending their previous life for the sake of renewing themselves. And Chazal tell us that an Anachan, Rabbeinu quotes it as well, that a sigh, a, a body-breaking sigh, informs and reforms the entirety of the body. It breaks it down and it builds itself back up because the neshima, the breath that a Jewish individual breathes, is not only drawing oxygen into the body and allowing it to express itself outwards, but rather it's a way, a mechanism through which we're drawing down our shoyresh neshama. Neshima and neshama have the same lashonos, have the same etymological root, because breath is seen as an essential element of the running and returning that a Jewish individual experiences, or that all human beings experience. Now, we have statements from Chazal, kol neshama tehalel ka, kol neshima v'neshima, each and every breath that I take as a human being, I'm going to praise out to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. We also have ideas about mekoitzeruach, the inability to be breathing properly. But what the Rebbe, what Rabbi Itchemeyer Morgenstern Shlita wants to point out over here is the avodah of the neshima. What does it mean to breathe properly? What does it mean to breathe in avodah Sashem? Is it simply an element that is of necessity for the human being? Or perhaps is there something larger at play here? And what the Rebbe is going to point out is that breath, an element of breath, is connecting oneself to the Sharash HaNe'elam. It is the most natural thing that we do. We do it consciously when we're aware of it. We feel that we're actively choosing to breathe. 
Yet even on an unconscious level, when we're no longer aware of the fact that we're breathing, we're breathing as well. Breath as the essential standing point upon which human beings exist is also the very site where we encounter the question of Yediyah and Bechira. I'm choosing to breathe and therefore I'm breathing, but even when I'm not choosing to breathe, I'm still breathing. So there's a certain kind of collision between the individual sense of volitional Bechira, as well as the fact that the body is running on itself. What the Rebbe wants to point out is that our tzaddikim, not that we have such shaykhs to this or any shaykhs whatsoever, but the tzaddikim hagadolim understood that there's nothing in this world that is not part of avodas Hashem, and therefore the most essential element of our existence, which is breath, is most certainly connected to the avodah of serving God, and it's representative of the different ways that HaKadosh Baruch Hu interacts with the world. And what the Rebbe is going to point out, and the reason that I'm, I'm using this teaching tonight, amongst many, many teachings we could have used, is that the Rebbe picks up on a certain nuance in the teaching from the Ateres Tzvi of Zidachov, one of the Sare HaZohar, the Tzadikim who found the light of Chaim within the Zohar HaKadosh itself, something we're going to be speaking about more and more. And what the Zidachov Rebbe says is that when a person inhales, when a person draws breath into themselves, developing more chayas, giving themselves more koach, they should imagine within their minds the shame of adnus or aleph dalid nun yud, or the sense of Hashem's representation or presence in this world. And when a person exhales, they should have the intention on the shame havaya. And the stira that we have to pick up on over here is that if we're looking at breath, the two-staged process of breath, of inhaling and exhaling, as a model for avodas Hashem, then at first glance, inhaling, drawing breath into the self through an act of rutzo, of running forward towards HaKadosh Baruch Hu, filling oneself with the inspiration of breath, is the movement towards HaKadosh Baruch Hu, is running, is drawing more chayas, more strength, and cultivating a spiritual potency. Exhalation is the end of that process. Exhaling is when I return back to where I was. It's the stage of shove where all that I drew into myself has expired. And now I have to take a break and relax and rest a little bit before I could inhale new breath. And so the fact that inhaling, that process of drawing life into ourselves, illuminating ourselves, that's theoretically associated with a higher level of Avodah Hashem, which would be considered a Darga of Chachma, where everything is clear and everything is present and a person knows exactly what they want to do. While exhaling, which is the end of a process, which represents the culmination of our strength, would be representative of something that we would refer to as Bina, which is more strict and more constricting. And it's a place where we encounter our limits and the need to renew ourselves perpetually. Another two phrases from the Arizal, which can be applied to this very same table that we're drawing. So what we have so far is the two stages of breath, inhaling, which is the avoid of Ratzah, which is the avoid of running towards HaKadosh Baruch Hu with enthusiasm, which is the Nekuda of Chachma, where everything is clear. That's also something referred to as Mati, a time of touching, where the lights and the vessels and the higher worlds are touching one another, a state of Yichud, where everything is as it should be. That is all representative of that stage of inhalation, where I am renewing my enthusiastic devotion to God, being Makabel Omal Chashemayim at that moment. 
And corresponding to that, we have the exhalation, which would be the release, the returning back down to where we were, the avoida of bina, the avoida of the self, the avoida of recognizing that I can't run forward all the time and I need to limit myself. That's also going to correspond to the darga of lomati, when the lights and the vessels are not touching one another, seemingly of a lower status. So the question that we have to ask ourselves is based on this teaching of the Atarasvi of Zidichov, is that if the inhale is representative of the deeper part of the service of God, representative of the state where I'm encountering chachma, everything is clear, I'm excited, there's a stage of mati, the lights and the vessels are touching, my ideal self and my real self are in correspondence with one another, that should correspond to a higher name of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And the exhale process, which corresponds to Bina, which corresponds to the stage of Lomati, where things are not touching, where things are asymmetrical, that should be associated with a lower name of Hashem, which would be the shame of Adnas. But what we find in the name of the Atarat Svi is the opposite, that the stage of inhaling, which is the loftier stage of desiring to run forward, that is represented by the name Adnas, the lowest name of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, Aleph Dalad Nun Yud. But the state of exhalation, the stage of finally letting go, that's going to correspond to the Shem Havaya, which is seemingly a higher name. And so it's this stira where we seem to find the transference of levels where the exhale, which is the lower level, is associated with the highest rung of spirituality, and the inhale, which is representative of a higher level of Avoida, is associated with the lower name. And that's going to be what the Rebbe is pointing out over here. The Rebbe says as follows with regards to the service of God through the intention or the attentive breathing that a person engages in. He says as follows, That Rav Avram Abulafia, one of the Rishonei HaMikubalim, understandably it's known that the thing that he was most famous for is the contemplative and meditative speech utterances, pronunciation of different letters, different vowelizations for the sake of utilizing language and the sounds of the holy language to draw us up to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, who reveals himself through language. And Rav Avram Abu Lafia, who was Mukubal al the Ramak and al the Arizal, in spite of the fact that there were different Sadiqim and Rishonim who had some issue with that Avoidah. But nevertheless, it's specifically in the writings of Rav Avram Abu Lafia that we seem to find the intentions of breath. And it's primarily in the Rishonim and Hasidei Ashkenaz. It's really not something that you find in later thinkers and later Tzadikim. So we know that in the writings of Rav Avram Abu Lafia, there's a lot brought down with regards to the work and the intention and the attention that needs to be paid to the process of breathing, to the most basic element of human experience. The Rokeach of the Chassidei Ashkenaz also spoke about this. And the Rashash also hints to it at the end of Nahar Shalom. And the Arizal hints to it in the beginning of Eitzchayim, where he points out that every new breath is a new permutation of the shame of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, which means that every breath is an entirely new world. And... In these writings, they're quoting from the writings themselves of the tzaddik, Rav Yitzhak Maya Morgenstern, the three volumes of Derech HaYichud that the Rebbe gave over to a Chabura of Tamidim Mavakshim many years ago, 
which was basically the Rebbe's Mahalach, the Rebbe's Derach in Avoida of his Boininus and his Boididus and Yichudim, meaning what it means to meditate properly, what it means to settle the mind, what it means to breathe, what it means to be in touch with one's body. And in the beginning of those writings, it says very clearly the Talmidim didn't know if they wanted to print it, if they were going to print it, they knew it's not right for everybody. Nowadays, somebody just sent me a picture from the base medrash that they republished it kind of explicitly. There's a pamphlet around and it's available for everybody. So these are Man Mish Sisrei Taira, the Derech HaYichud of the Tzadik, the Yam HaChachma, which nowadays Baruch Hashem is flowing like water is available for anybody to take a look at if they so please. And the Rebbe also speaks a lot about the Derech in breath. And the Arizal also speaks about breath when he speaks about the world of mati v'loi mati, of touching and not touching, as we're going to see. Right, and the Rebbe is again just kind of quoting names here, which are all essential, that Rav Yitzchak Isaac of Hummel, who was one of the biggest Bali Hasidus in the world, although he was not an Admor, he was not a Rebbe unto himself, but rather he was a Taman Mufak of the Balhatanya who did his own thing on a certain level in terms of the development of his Hasidus, very similar to the other Taman Mufak of the Balhatanya, Rav Aaron Halevi of Strashelia, that Rav, I- Rav Yitzchak Isaac of Hummel heard in the name of the Balhatanya that when the Arizal talks about Mati and Lomati, touching and not touching, the stage of touching, which is when the lights and the vessels are aligned, there's a unification between the self and the light of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, versus the stages of Lomati, which is a stage of asymmetrical connection where the Kalim and the lights, the order is somewhat in disarray, but as we're going to see throughout the writings of the Tzadikim, even when it's a stage of low mati, even when things are in disarray, that's still a healthy stage of spiritual development. But what Rav Yitzhak Isaac Hamel said in the name of the Balatanya is that this Indian of mati v'loi mati is misgale eitzel ha'adam lamata b'inyan hanashimos, is really revealed within a person in the breath that when I inhale, it's a stage of mati. It's where the light of HaKadosh Baruch Hu is settled within me and my desire to move forward towards HaKadosh Baruch Hu is present. And Lomati, the stage of not touching, the stage of yearning, the stage of needing something that I don't have, is when a person exhales. mati That breath is a movement inwards and a movement outwards perpetually. Because breath is drawn in through inhalation to an individual at every moment. Moment, and it is expressed from him externally through exhalation at every moment. And it's also brought down from the Atarat Svi, the Rebbe says, that the inhale and the exhale are associated with different shemos that a person can contemplate or the ideas that those shemos mean to the extent that every breath that I take in and out can be a form of dveikus with HaKadosh Baruch Hu, that when a person draws in breath, shemachnisen hanashima, that's b'shem adnus. And this is where the kasha is, right? Because when I'm drawing in my breath, when I'm inhaling, which is the highest level, we see that it's a lower name. But when I exhale, which is seemingly a lower level of Avoida, I seem to be associating that with a higher name. And this is what the Medrash says in Bereshis Rabbah, Yudalid Tes, every breath, every soul should cry out and praise God. 
Al kol neshima v'neshima tzarech lekalais laKadosh Baruch Hu. That every breath that a person takes, they have to praise Hakadosh Baruch Hu. What does that mean? Shat tzadikim b'chol neshima v'neshima shemachnisin moitzia noisim yichud havai va'admis mahalim lekelchai. That every breath that a person takes, every inhale is a contemplation of Hashem's presence in Malchus in this world. The shame of Aleph Dalit Nun Yud Dina de Malchus Adina, the lower presence of Hakadosh Baruch Hu. And every exhale is a connection to the shame havai which is the belief that HaKadosh Baruch Hu's transcendent unity exists within this world as well. So here we're going to move in ever so slightly into what the Rebbe wants to point out. The loftiest level of the source of breath. We're going to skip a few lines which are already utilizing further Lashonos of the Ari in terms of the Moichen of Keser. We'll take that aside for a second, only because I certainly don't know how to apply that al on any level. And so the Rebbe writes as follows. So we see that on a certain level in the loftiest worlds that HaKadosh Baruch Hu created, at the first stage of creation, which is the world of Akudim, in the three-pronged process of Akudim, Nikudim, and Brudim, as we learn by Yaakov Avinu and his people with Lavan, those three stages of the sheep of Lavan and what Yaakov Avinu did there are representative of the first three stages of the creation of the world. This is what the Yitzchayim Kadisha starts off with. This is what Yitzchayim starts off with. There was the world of Akudim, there was the world of Nikudim, and there was the world of Brudim. Another way of describing this is that there was the world of Akudim, which on a certain level is the infinite light of Akadish Baruch Hu. There was the world of Nikudim, which is the world of Shira Sakelim and Tohu. And then there was the world of Brudim, which is really the world of Tikkun. Um, but for our purposes, there's a certain element that takes place in the world of Akudim, in that highest, loftiest world. And Rabbi Nachman explains this very, very clearly in the 24th teaching of Lukut Maran. But what Rabbi Nachman and, and what the Tzadikim point out is that on a certain level, there's a counterintuitive shift in that highest place, that even though Klal Mati is higher than Lomati, touching is higher than not touching, experience is higher than not experiencing. Nevertheless, on that lofty level, not touching, coming to a place where I don't have a full grasp of what things are, is actually the highest level. Because when I recognize that I can't reach exactly where I want to reach, there's a chuka and a desire that is revealed there, which ultimately teaches us that no matter how high along the rung of the ladder that I climb, I will always be yearning to move forward, something that the Rebbe teaches us all the time. And that's revealed in the world of Akudim, where the lomati, the not touching, the not experiencing, the not feeling, is on a certain level higher than feeling. Because if I feel it and if I could touch it, well, that means it's close enough to me for, to, for me to be able to grasp it. But when I can't touch it, when I can't grasp it, that teaches me that this thing is so far beyond me that I can never ultimately arrive there. And there's an aspect where the aspect of not touching, of low mati, is above mati. Why? Shehalo mati, the not touching, the recognition that I can't reach something, that on the darg of low mati, when I come to recognize that I can't reach something, in the very recognition of my inability to reach that, I am ultimately touching it in a way that I could never experience, even if I was touching it. 
that by the distance that I encounter when I face the limitation of what it means to be a human being, at that very moment, I am encountering the deepest yichud and zivug imaginable. That's the darga of leimati. At this point, exhaling is higher than inhaling. Even though inhaling is representative of running forwards to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, is my attempt to leave my human constriction and human limitation. It's my desire to move forward. Nevertheless, the exhalation, which is the recognition of my own most humanity and my need to revive myself and to take a break, that represents an even higher level of Avodah Hashem because I'm coming to the dark of recognizing that I can't reach it. Kamosha Amar Ha'ataratzvi, like the Ataratzvi said above, that the exhaling connects us with the shame Havaya, while the inhaling connects us with the shame of Adnas. This is something we spoke about. We'll speak about it again. That this world is referred to by the Pasuk of The typical explanation of this Pasuk is that I will feed them in a time of famine. It's a promise that Hashem will give us koyach when we desire koyach. But as the tzaddikim and Bali Hasidis point out, doesn't mean to satisfy their hunger, but rather to satisfy them through their hunger. It's the very fact that we will always be desiring, yearning for something more, exhaling, recognizing that I need to take a break, that I am ultimately just human. That is the place that I experience the truest satisfaction. That the self-sustaining vitality of the self at that point emerges specifically out of yearning desire and the fact that I'm not where I want to be. And this is the Indian of This is the aspect of exhaling, of sighing. Bina, which is representative of a lower level of understanding. The need to encounter this world is revealed to be of a higher order. And at this level, everything takes place specifically by way of Lomati. What I believe the Rebbe is pointing out for us on a practical level, if Yanias Daiti, is that not only can we look at our basic human functioning throughout the day as encountering the deepest connections to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, to recognize that it's not only in Torah learning that we encounter connection, but in breath, in eating, and everything else as well, but even more so, there's that counterintuitive v'nahapechu, that you might think that inhaling and desire and running forward is what HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants from us at every moment, and our resting and our inability to move forward at every moment is simply a symptom of being human. What the Rebbe is pointing out to us in the name of our tzaddikim is not only is that a necessary stage, but it might on a certain level be a loftier stage than when you're running forward. That when a person comes to recognize their own most limitations, at that very moment we come to recognize that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is so large and so infinite that no matter how high I climb along the ladder of spiritual growth, I have to come to recognize at the end of the day that I will never reach the top. And that's the avoida of mati veloi mati, realizing that even when I've hit a level of mati, even when I've come to a place where I think I've gained something, I have inhaled something, I have inhaled avoidus Hashem, at the end of the day, the most important expression is the exhaling, realizing that I have to start over again every single moment of the day, every single moment of my life. And Be'ezra Sashem, we should learn how to breathe, something we're going to be talking about a lot in the Shiram on the Zohar Kadosh about, uh, about learning how to breathe. And Be'ezra Sashem, we'll continue learning the Rebbe's Taira and to, to learn how to elevate these seemingly darker elements of our lives as well. Be'ezra Sashem.